If you're like me, you're already thinking about automation, AI, working with robot co-workers. How do you manage them? How do you lead them? As well as uh, the people you have already in your organization. We'll be covering that and much more in today's podcast. You're listening to the Unexpected World of Business podcast, brought to you by Henley Business School. Welcome to the latest Unexpected World of Business podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Professor Bernd Fogel, who is Director of the Henley Centre for Leadership. Hi, Bernd. Hello. We're talking today about the recently published Work 2028, Trends, Dilemmas and Choices Research, which Bernd was in collaboration with Deutsche Telekom. Uh, Deticon International and Henley Business School. So we've all heard about artificial intelligence, AI, automation, um, robot machines, the so-called fourth industrial revolution. And I suppose people on the, listening to this podcast being concerned about the loss of jobs to technology and the pressing need for essential skills like collaboration and creativity. But I think um, reason for this podcast, you've got a, perhaps a more interesting take on this in terms of the research that you've done. T- tell, us, tell us about it. What did you do? Well, this, this research is really exciting, I have to say. It's one of those moments where you think yourself are really, really lucky that people come to you and say, this is what we want to do. And that was one of those moments. So what we try to, to do is we know that technology is uh, on a huge transformation of scale approaching us as individuals and, and, and businesses. And so um, the three par- partners here, we were really interested how uh, technology change will change our work, will change change things in society, we change things in leadership. That's what we were interested so work, in. Work, society and leadership kind of all at the same time, right? Exactly, because they are, they are coming together. And so with that, we really think that, that thinking 10 years ahead, which all its difficulties and, and uh, might be vague, but really provides a good platform to start debate, to provoke, you know, kind of be thought provoking, and at the end, also start activities today. Um, yeah, okay. We also know that, I think, and we're pretty open about that, um, that there are quite a few dilemmas where we basically yeah, don't definitely. know, mm-hmm. you know. But it's better to know that you're facing a dilemma and, and think about that and facing the paradox other than not looking into. And that's why we hope that this really creates, you know, thinking and a lot of uh, controversies and debates and then moving into, so what do we do about that? So presumably, the, I mean, there's some clarity in any research, you answer some questions, but you, you're kind of playing with the idea that, that we're comfortable to talk about these dilemmas. We need to be comfortable to discuss them, realizing that perhaps isn't a, at this point when we're thinking about 10 years ahead, there isn't a clear answer, right? I think that's a key one. You know, when we started, we set out, well, do we all expect these linear ideas coming, you know, towards us? And and I think it's just really, really helpful to say there's probably two, three different scenarios. Some are, you know, uh, competing against each other. And just embrace that, you know, and then we need to make decisions. If we just assume there's one answer, but there isn't, I think that's not helpful. And that's not really Quite what, what societies need, you yeah. know. And, and I think early on, if you have a have time, then that's an ideal position to be in. Yeah, definitely. So you, you chose to, um, I mean, part of the research is to interview um, quite a mixed and diverse group of people, which obviously uh, was something I noticed and one was very, very pleased to see. What, why, why did you choose those kind of people for, for their opinions? What, what kind of people did you, did you look for to, to give you the insight? 
Well, I think it's always dangerous, you know, from a business school leadership center perspective to talk to the same people, same type of people. Yeah, you know, great. that's the easiest way. You've got access. But I think, you know, if we really want to talk about what's going on in 10 years, other people will be in these positions across yeah. society. So we said we need to talk to younger people. We need to talk to those people who are already what we call movers and shakers today, because probably some of those will be deciders later on. And um, we talked across quite a few countries. And I think uh, looking at you know, a, a broad range of ideas really helps to, to unpack that. And that's why we kind of settled on people who, who are futurists, who are business deciders, who are politicians, um, people in, you know, have roles in society, at the top of organizations, in the middle, but also people who just started organizations. And I think that gives us a real fresh perspective yeah, okay. from various angles. Quite a, yeah, okay, so lots of different angles. So let's pick a, pick a few of the ones that I think the audience would like to hear about. The, um, talk a bit more detail in terms of some of the specifics. Hybrid workforce. The idea of managing and leading a hybrid workforce uh, kind of looms large in the research. What I think I know broadly speaking what it what it means, but uh, give, give us a, give us some insight. Well, that's a really really interesting field, and 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 I think the argument is whether it's ten years or we're already in the middle of that. You know, and yeah, I think we have. Coming variety in there and realities, but for most it's probably a bit further. But the interesting thing is that managers, you know, can ask themselves whether they actually manage or lead you typically people as they were doing or, you know, artificial intelligence based or cognitive computing actually provides um, through chat box or other decision makers technology that's part of the decision making, part of the doing, and actually works hand in hand, if, if that's possible, uh, with people. So then how do we how do we kind of put that together, you know, and how do we, in a way, I'm always saying, you know, well, key thing about motivation people is, you know, get 100%, 120% out of that, you know, mobilize them. How do you mobilize yeah. AI? How do you mobilize robots in a way to do the bit of the extra mile, typically saying that, we have. how does that work? I think that's interesting. Then the other way around, you know, we know that we go to work for all kinds of reasons, you know, careers, income, fulfillment, but we also go there because it's a, you know, socially interesting environment. Now, how do I, how do I work with my pal called AI? You know, do, does that provide empathy, you know, recognition? I think that's something interesting that, that will come up and, 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 and it's not, because I think it will work together. So it's not that, you know, the, the technology will drive out everyone. So we well, have this mixed situation. Hybrid, right? That's, that's, exactly that's the hybrid operate, idea. Got to operate together, kind of seamlessly almost. But I like this idea of you, a, a pal called AI. That's an interesting concept. So what do you see the, the implications of that for, for anybody thinking about managing and leading now? Well, I, I think there's, you know, if you look at the classic things that, that we ask managers to do is, um, is, you know, providing, taking decisions, making things happen. And, and I think that that's where, you know, we will see these hybrid structures. But then, you know, look at decisions. The moment, you know, technology-based decisions are made, you know, it's still the question of accountability even more so if they're self-learning systems. So they, they not only provide decisions based on what we input, but they kind of, in casual terms, think about it themselves, you know, and, and learn as where, they're, where they're going. And all of a sudden, they, they become individual independent actors. Now, how do I deal with that as a manager in terms of accountability? And I think that will stay the same, but something that we need to get ahead around 
because we might, other than driving the algorithm, not really influence it, other than kind of you know uh, um, taking you know of the electricity, but that's probably not an option. So no. so this okay. is accountability is I think a, a, an interesting one. So if we look at algorithms, for example, so you could see in our, our world, the learning world, that uh, if an algorithm is is uh, an al it's kind of an Amazon esque or a or mm -hmm. a, a Spotify esque algorithm is 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 driving uh, what people learn or what, or what learning they're directed towards, then managers still would need to intervene to ensure that people are absorbing the right kind of learning. They're getting the skills and the mindset development that they would need. So if you leave it entirely to the machine, frankly, uh, the capability developed is not necessarily what you want it to be. Other areas, uh, perhaps um, second area that uh, I, I thought was uh, certainly made me think differently, it was episodic working. This kind of idea that... Um, I suppose as a, we, we're mutual, I suppose for me it meant that um, people would work for an organisation or a, or a manager or a leader when there was a mutual gain. So was when there's value to them and value to um, uh, to the organisation too. But it's episodic. Say yeah, some more. That's that's something that you know when we spoke to to people you know in in our sample that really came through this idea we know about gig working in a way and we have we we kind of figured that this would be coming but what we what we looked at and was kind of in the, really in the center is that we have some episodic working and the challenge behind that is what we call episodic loyalty. We're really interested, organizations in the future will be interested that, that people really commit, identify, because we know that by that the organization benefits with you know high level of contribution and most of the time uh, employees benefit because they have meaningful work, they, they feel fulfilled. So then if we think about episodic working with high levels of loyalty, but actually, you know, we, we change either internally the departments or divisions we work for or externally. How do we build that, you know, rapidly and how do we kind of depart? And I think that's a really interesting, interesting one. And I think there's a lot of learning to be done. So there's an interesting, uh, uh, perhaps an organizational development structural issue in there, as in enabling this to, to happen and also a, a, a different way of thinking for managers and leaders about about that being the, the the kind of the the way of the new world if you like i i think typically you know on average and i might kind of uh, exaggerate a bit but still today if someone leaves an organization the organization feels betrayed and and that's kind of the the reaction that we often have um in you know rare cases where it's probably different and and i think that's that probably would not work because Probably what we're looking at that people kind of leave an organization, they work somewhere else, they build new capacity, they come back because they find new and interesting work that wasn't existing before. So then we call that, you know, you engage, you need to disengage and re-engage and that in a mature way. And I think that's kind of a bit of homework for um, organization and individuals to be done. And, and so that we then can form high identification very fast when we, when we come back together. And, and here's, you know, here's something that, you know, where the organizations need to think about, you know, probably human resources, but also every individual manager that, that he or she thinks about that a person that is leaving my department, 
internally or externally is always the person that might come back actually in a better shape, in a different shape. So that's why yeah, you know, some organizations speak about, talk about, we need to create an alumni body for organizations, which is an astonishing you know, new development that we find at times. But it's about how do we sustain ongoing relationships with our current, previous, and future people who might want to join us. So a couple of interesting dimensions there, isn't there? So it's really the, the, the speed of getting a, so the onboarding process. Yes. Comes, somebody comes back in, that's key. You need, therefore, a, a friendly, civilized exit, in case you might come back. But the bit you just hit on, uh, again, uh, why I learned so much in these podcasts is that I hadn't hit on, was the, the need to, to keep in contact in the interim. So, so while they're not working for you, you do have an alumni, a, a network of, of talented individuals who will be growing their skills as they go, ready to perhaps to, to come back and add additional value when you have a different need, a different re uh, requirement, perhaps in a few months' time, but potentially even a few years' time, I presume. I think you could, you know, you could think about a few years' time. It's astonishing, you know, every, um, every organ you know, individual cares so much about its network, you know, so, and we know all the tools how to do that. And organizations go there more and more, but still there's something about how do I connect or stay connected with previous employees exactly. over time. And I think that, you know, we... There's some organizations that do that brilliantly and some, mm. you know, are probably catching, catching, catching up. But it's, it's around, you know, if a person joins exactly like you said, how can we, in a, if it's kind of like short term, we don't have a lot of time no. to kind of be depth, in-depth, mature relationships to perform. Mm. And I think that's where actually people who have, have been with up. us are really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's not cold, is it? It's a... So it's a warm relationship from, yeah. from the very start. Can I just pick up very quickly on something you said earlier that how do we reconcile that with the idea of meaningful work? Because I suppose the perception is the longer perception, the longer you are an organization, the kind of the more connected perhaps you are to the, the values of it and the intent of it uh, and the mission, if you like, and the purpose. If, we, if we're shortening that or we're making it more uh, episodic, does that affect people's sense of connection, belonging, meaning? I think um, I think that that's a that's a challenge. There's, there's a challenge in two ways. You know, you could look at episodic work in a way. First of all, by choice or by force. You know, we have a lot of work where people, you know, just to um, to make a living. You know, have various jobs. You know, one after the other, and and they would probably like to stay longer. So, and here the question of meaning probably is sec you know secondary thought. Uh, in the first place. And we have to acknowledge that, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really, really careful that when we look at these ideas, that at, at which, you know, slice and share of society we look at. So, but, so, so that's to be acknowledged. So they, they, it might not be in the, in the forefront, but it might be over time. If you have a bit more, more choice um, and the question of, you know, creating meaningful work, I think actually the choice creates the meaningfulness already. Because you, you, you go to a different activity and by that you go to an organization, but you predominantly go to an activity which provides sense of fulfillment and meaning, which then in the bigger context organization, you know, even supports that. And, and I think... So it's less about, that, less about fluffy mission, it's more about the connection with the... the the, the value that that person needs to deliver or the, absolutely. the task or the project and or whatever that's why they be. join you know in, in, in you know and that's why the the you don't need to convince a person why the activity is really interesting because the person probably yeah. comes to you because, because it's, it's interesting interesting and it fits into you can see how you then in the idea case contribute to the overall idea and contribution of an organization it, 
almost feels a, uh, quite like, like the contracting world when people are full-time contractors that, that there isn't necessarily a uh, kind of a connection to the purpose of the industry or the uh, kind of the, the, the bigger end game, but, but they're enjoying the work that they do, which is adding great value in specific circumstances. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one because I think we all, you know, we always have these new ideas of looking ahead, and and contracting is something where actually short-term working uh, is is happening. But but you might want to look is that do these people involved in the organisation see that as pure transaction, right? And in this, yeah. is that what where they get most value out of it? Or if we believe in some other reasons why we work and how we think, you know, people perform, you know, have you know sense of well-being and satisfaction. There's there's more than a contractual obligation, but they really want to be involved completely as a person. So and then, and then it's getting interesting. Then we look at identification, loyalties. Yes, okay. Um, and and so so that that's an interesting one. So uh, some to, dimensions to in there to yes. yeah to observe very much at a personal level how people are feeling. And, and so and when you, one of the interesting debates that we often then have is on that side is, well, that's all good and great, but as an organization, if I know they will be leaving on average at some point, do I invest into my yeah. people? You know, that, that, always been the dilemma, hasn't it? There's always been the dilemma. And, and so it's this case of this, this is the, it's kind of a short, it's not a short-term thinking, it's more just short and everything. It's kind of, engagement mm. needs to be faster. It, yeah. Clever, cuter, whatever you want to call it, it um, and then the the impact needs to be there, and the connection needs to be different depending on the individual. Yeah. Perhaps a bit, be a bit more nimble about how you connect and keep people connected, and then you need a a kind of a amicable finish. It, I mean, in some senses, that sounds straightforward and common sense, but actually, structurally, in organisations, we're not set up to either bring people in fast or to leave on good terms. It's an interesting cultural shift for many organizations. I think there's a cultural shift. I think the term episodic helps so that you're thinking in cycles instead of, you, you know, one-time stints. And, 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 and the other, you know, dilemma that, that, that people are facing, and you have opposite views out there, is whether, you know, if they anyway stay short, do I invest? I, you know, there's a, there's a um, view that organization will invest less in people because why would... I, I don't know how long they are there and, and so that's their job and and there's the other position you could say, well probably I don't have a choice as an organization because the best people that I get will expect development anywhere in investment even if they stay short, which is then even more speaking to the idea, well then then we really need to make sure that we kind of get back our investment later on in various ways. And the third element is to that just naturally says speed up. Yeah, the important development so that they they get it soon, quickly, fast, exactly. ready exactly. to hit the ground running. Just going to move quickly to a, perhaps sure. a third area. The um, we heard of the gig economy, um, which listeners will know, I'm sure, gets its name from each piece of work being akin to an individual gig. What's um, what's gig, gig leadership? Well, so so when we listened into what um, the people we interviewed said, the the overall assumption is that. That, that, that leadership as as well, and we there's a bit of thought already for quite some time around that, that that leadership moves away from equaling person one person with leadership, but there will be many more people involved in creating direction, alignment, commitment, involvement, and performance, and making sure that this happens. So it's going away from one person to multiple people involved, 
which then means actually in practical terms that some of these functions that managers typically do will move between a group of, 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 uh, of people depending on their strengths, depending on match with context. And by that, we could, we could think about that leadership is rotating or similarly episodic. And, and, that's an in, you know, and that's why we kind of term the, the, coined the idea that why don't we think about it as gig leadership where the interim idea around leading becomes the permanent idea. Um, and that's true. So that's it. But and it's the interesting thing is an accountability probably stays the same. You know, th that's the tricky one. You know, even if you, if you work in your department with your senior people and different people pick up, you know, activities around motivating, mobilizing, setting direction, creating it's different people. But still, if you're heading the department, you still have accountability. So that's an interesting challenge for a person to, am I able and willing to step back to provide the room to make this rotation happening, this gig leadership happening? What would you, what would you say to leaders and managers to help them perhaps get their head around this idea? Because it's quite a, quite a tough concept. It, it is quite a tough concept. There's two, there's two things for me. A, I, you know, I'm a true believer of illusion of control. I don't actually think that Same people whole. today you know, have control about what the departments are doing fully as much as they believe. So kind of catching up actually with the reality that people do all kinds of things autonomously because they think it's good for the organization, good for the department. And 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 they and they need to accept that already. You know, now it's moving into into leadership. Um, so two two streams probably where, that we that that we face that that will support that is a technology as we discussed before will open up leadership communication decision activities way more uh, transparent you know we know organizations that mainly today commute through platforms you know where everyone can read everything we know organizations that you know, that videotape every team meeting and that's afterwards available to entire departments so we have a huge level of transparency in what leadership and how leadership is happening and that will just grow so by that already you have full transparency a lot of more transparency um, and people can get involved way more open the second one is we also have people like to contribute to core dilemma and things. So it, it is already way more shared. We have you know less status difference. They are still there. So people get more involved already naturally. So we're on that momentum. And, and, and then the next step is to say, well, how do we think about that a bit more strategically and, and tactically and say, could we think about gig leadership? For, so so it's, it's happening. It's interesting. And, so you have an illusion, illusion of control anyway. That's an interesting thing to accept, isn't it? You're probably in control of less than you thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was uh, just trying to um, perhaps draw us to a, a close, just a, a summary. Uh, so we've talked about hybrid workforce and love the idea of managing people and your pal AI. That's an interesting concept. We'll have to wrestle with that. Episodic working and how that affects loyalty. So we talked about quicker onboarding, uh, very individual engagement with people during and then uh, leaving on good terms. But I love your point about having an alumni. So what happens in between when people don't actually work for you it's uh, that's an interesting piece to for people to think about and then gig leadership this comfort with rotating uh it's not really in the chair it's not as not as um clumsy as that I, at all is it but it's um comfortable with the illusion that you perhaps don't have as much control as you thought uh needing to shine through others but also the decision making being happening elsewhere but with you ultimately taking responsibility and accountability for kind of everything that happens on your watch 
Interesting. Big ideas, aren't they? So, Bern, I'd recommend people read this one. So, where, where do they find it? So, the, you, you can find the report on our Handy Centre for Leadership website for download. All the information is there. And like we said, it's for sharing. It's for working. It needs to sweat. So, please download and, and think about and take action. And you will also be able to find a link to the research in the podcast description. The trends and issues, the way you describe them, I'd recommend everybody reads it. I think some of the, the language is pretty, pretty evocative, quite, quite emotional, quite gets people to think, so I'd certainly recommend it. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Pleasure. I'm Mark Swain, and this has been the Unexpected World of Business podcast. Thanks for listening. Speak soon.